the way it will for you, John, didn't we? <laughs> Finally. Yes. The day has arrived. You were extremely busy the last time we, we were meant to meet, John. I think so, yes. I got my uh, my kind of appointments mixed up. <laughs> no, John. Let's just lie and say that you were shooting a magnificent property and you couldn't make it. As opposed to you just completely forgetting about your podcast with me. Anyway, so today we're joined by John Finn, property and lifestyle photographer. Nice. Nice ring to it, John. Mm-hmm. Based in Caractool and having left his past career with the ESB, John has been photographing properties since 2015 and works with a large selection of agents throughout Cork County. John is an associate of the Royal Photographic Society and you have some wonderful fo- photography articles and blogs online, which in fairness got me down a, a right rabbit hole yesterday. <laughs> You've over 1,000 followers on Flickr and posted over 1,900 photographs ranging from subways in the States, lighthouses of Ireland, right down to the Church of Christ the King in, in Turner's Cross. We're here to discuss your property portfolio. You're originally from Yall. From Yall originally, yeah. Living in Carrick too now, as you say. How yeah. did uh, going up in... Y'all, go for you, John. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I mean, uh, a seaside town and all the advantages uh, that that has. Uh, summertime, of course, in particular, summer holidays, heading out the front strand, um, out by perks. And uh, yeah, and of course, like everybody, I suppose one remembers back to the summers of one's youth and one has a, a recollection of constant sunshine uh, <laughs> yeah. whereas you know the, 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 the climate statistics would show that it was probably raining most <laughs> the of the time. time but you just you just remember the good times yeah. which is which is, which is lovely which is great yeah have you seen a lot of changes seeing as look, we're going to be talking about photography and property in y'all over the years oh in y'all as a town major changes because mm. I was growing up there in the 1960s and it was a boom town People were travelling from far and wide to work in Yall. Places like Yall Carpets, Seafield Fabrics, Blackwater Cottons, etc. And then, um, as came into the 70s and particularly the 80s, it all went down the tube. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the Yall Carpets went. Uh, carpets were made in China as opposed to Ireland. And a whole pile of economic factors resulted in the decline of the town mm. and it hasn't really recovered. It mm. is still an unemployment black spot, Kodak. which is a pity. Kodak, Kodak had a place there for a while mm. and, of course, Kodak fell victim uh, to the whole digitization of photography. Anyhow, uh, the Kodak film business went down the tube and they were making CDs in y'all, but as we know, CDs are now old hat as well. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a pity because it is a fine town. It's is a great place to visit. I go down there regularly. Do you need, isn't it? Mm. Do you know, it's on by the water. It's got a yeah. beautiful scenery down there and the houses are kind of like, even the architecture down there is gorgeous. So it, yeah. it's, it was making a bit of a comeback before, mm. prior to COVID because they did, there was a, was, a de- yeah. large development company down there and they did things like, you know, the Regal Cinema, bring That's that around, which is still absolutely gorgeous and anybody should, yeah. that hasn't been to the Regal Cinema should visit it's gorgeous. Oh yeah so it's a wonderful art deco building mm. and uh, the company that is running the cinema now uh, have done great work uh, in bringing a cinema back to the town and it is uh, a wonderful place to visit it's definitely unique, isn't it? it's, it's unique uh, you know you can go into the cinema have coffee have a drink or whatever and yeah. go into the theatre it's, it's wonderful it, it is a great occasion you I mean, know what's, what's, not, what's not to love about a wine bar absolutely Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, that's that's you all discussed anyway. Um, <laughs> I look, John. You, you do our photography for us, mm-hmm. which we're very grateful for because you're absolutely brilliant. But you've a delightful approach and demeanor with clients, um, and I've yet to leave a property without a vendor complimenting you. Oh, so you obviously God. enjoy what you do, as it comes across with all your clients. When did you get into photography, and and how? I got into photography uh, way back in the seventies. Uh, where I wasn't long working in the ESB in Patrick Street here in Cork City. And um, I developed an interest in photography. There was a guy working there at the time who was chairman of the Cork Camera Club, uh, long since defunct. But uh, he gave me some advice and through his uh, suggestions, I bought uh, a good camera and I 
got involved in the amateur photography scene. Mm. I joined uh, a breakaway club from the Cork Camera Club, uh, a, a club called the Cork Photo Workshop, best camera club I've ever been in, uh, and learned an awful lot. And of course, those were the film days. Uh, this was pre-digital, needless to say. But yes, uh, it was wonderful. Learned a lot from that club and from the people in it, uh, such as, for example, learning how to develop and print one's own black and white mm. uh, photography, uh, which was magic. And then you fast forward into the 80s, late 80s, and digital came along, uh, which I embraced uh, and film fell by the wayside. And of course, digital photography transformed the whole photographic scene. And, uh, you know, it has repercussions through all areas of photography uh, for the better, in my view, mm. and uh, simply wonderful. So uh, most of my life has been um, one of adopting photography as a, a recreation, a recreational activity. Mm. I fell into the property photography scene by accident rather than design. Mm. I never went looking for this particular work. But um, people came knocking at my door, so to speak. Uh, would I, asking me, would I take photograph, photographs for them of properties, which I did. And I enjoyed enormously because uh, it's always interesting uh, to go into a house and see what people have done with the property. And it doesn't matter whether it is a two up, two down or a mansion. Um, you know, uh, it's always, as I say, interesting uh, to see what has been done. And it's my job to make sure uh, that I portray that house in the best possible light. And as well as that, as well as, of course, seeing the properties, uh, there's the 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 pleasant task of meeting people. Mm. And uh, I've said to somebody recently that of the all the houses I photograph, I have yet to come across any obnoxious customer. It doesn't matter whether it is a multi-million euro house or a humble house. In my experience, everybody has been very pleasant and down to earth and very cooperative to deal with, which is great. Like, it is you know, great, but you bring that out, though. Yeah, you know, I don't I've, know, I've yeah. seen you in action. Like, there's, <laughs> you know, you take the shoes off at the door. Well, very think, tidy yeah, and very, very yeah. respectful. I mean, if anybody started giving out to you, John, <laughs> I'd nearly slap him. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you, you have to be, um, you know, when you walk into somebody's house, uh, you know, first of all, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm representing, say, yourself as the agent. So I'm a representative of Colbert & Co. going into a particular house. So there's an onus upon me uh, to project as good as possible an image of the company as I can. So something simple as taking off one's shoes, going into a house, I think it's just a mark of respect. Uh, there's a good reason for it as well, because usually when I photograph a house, I tend to photograph the exterior first. And especially in wintertime, I could be sloshing around kind of um, muddy gardens or whatever, uh, so, I mean, walking into a house with mud on one's shoes, <laughs> traipsing over a carpet, <laughs> uh, would not be a, a good thing to do. Well, I've never been to a property before you. You yes. always get there before me because you're always on time. Always yes. early. I have this unfortunate, uh, un-Irish trait of being early for things. <laughs> and uh, if I'm asked to be at a premises at three o'clock, I'll invariably be there at 20 to 3 or yeah, thereabouts and I often usually I knock on the door I ring the bell and I apologise <laughs> for my Be early and I say look uh, I won't come in yet because I'd be just concentrating on the exterior complete opposite to me then where I arrive maybe <laughs> 20 seconds to 3 and the only reason I know it's there because I can see your shoes outside the door and I'm like, he's here <laughs> um, so getting back there like I suppose the old going back to when before digital mm. I think the those photography kind of clubs and all that were quite, I think the reason they were popular wasn't because there was no sharing. You couldn't put stuff online and share no. one another. So you just meet. Correct. And do them all. But what I want to kind of get into is when you got into photography and meeting all these other people, do you have to be quite visual? Were you always quite visual or was it just something that 
I think I was, uh, and hopefully am. Uh, you, you have to have a, a certain visual sense. You have to have an eye, as the phrase has it. And you develop that eye uh, by looking at pictures, looking at art. Mm. Uh, for example, going into an art gallery, uh, you kind of absorb a kind of a visual sense almost by osmosis. And uh, that comes across then in your photography. Um, I mean, there are rules of composition and so forth that people learn when they're learning, say, photography. But mostly it's kind of an innate sense that you develop through, uh, as I say, uh, constantly looking at pictures, looking at art, uh, looking at other photographers' work. Mm. And uh, that helps. And that translates as well into something as pedestrian, you can call it, as property photography. Mm. Because a visual sense, uh, uh, it doesn't matter what one is photographing, uh, it, be it a person, a house or whatever, a landscape, for example. Um, there are certain kind of uh, generally accepted compositional standards that you apply and you do that not so much consciously after a particular amount of time, but unconsciously almost. Mm. It becomes second nature. Mm. Uh, now, I have seen people take up photography and they've spent a lot of money, for example, on, on photographic gear, but they don't have the visual sense. Mm. And their photography, of course, suffers as a result. I mean... You know, it's a it's a, a truism to say that it you know the equipment, the photographic equipment, the standard of it, the expense of it, doesn't make you a better photographer. No, uh, you have to have the visual sense. I mean, Michelangelo worked with a chisel and hammer. Mm. You know, uh, but look at the sculptures that he produced. I mean, if you gave me or you or anybody here hammer and chisel and asked them to to replicate something that Michelangelo did, we'd never do it. No. It would be impossible. But he simply had that genius, is the only word for it, uh, mm. to create something with very simple equipment. And some of the best photographers that I know use very basic equipment, uh, you know, some of it several years old. But it doesn't matter because they have the eye to see a good composition to capture the moment. And that's what makes a good photographer. I mean, when we look at photography in a magazine or in a newspaper or whatever, nobody can tell uh, what kind of camera was used to take the particular photograph. Mm. So ultimately, it doesn't matter a hill of beans what kind of uh, gear you have. It's how you use it. Uh, and that's the important thing. Mm. I met a gent a few years back. And like that, he came in. We went to the property mm. and uh, had all the year. Spent about 10 minutes telling me how much he spent on everything and all the year. And he was very impressed. He, he, yeah. like, he had everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the photos turned out like my seven-year-old daughter had taken them <laughs> on, on my phone. They were just like, I, for, for the world, even right now, I can't, I can't understand how with all that equipment, yeah. he still didn't even get one good photograph yeah. of quality. You know, and yeah. it's just, as you say, just because you have the gear, yeah. Doesn't Absolutely. mean you're going to get the good shot. No, it doesn't. I mean, it helps. Mm. I mean, yeah. You, you it didn't help him. <laughs> it didn't help him. <laughs> but he simply didn't have the, the visual sense, obviously. Mm. It, it wasn't his, his bailiwick. No. Uh, he may well have been an excellent, say, landscape photographer or whatever. No, he's crap at that as well. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> he doesn't do it anymore. I don't oh, know if you, you kind of picked up on that. <laughs> um, so... Getting into the the equipment, mm. um, I don't want to name anybody, but Jay, our producer, um, spends a lot of money on on equipment. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's waving his hands, kind of saying so so, but it's not. He spends a lot of money on it. Uh, is it very expensive? It's not, in my view. I mean, um, I suppose what I'm trying to get at here is if we're if we're going to get into, you know, if if you were giving advice to somebody who was getting into property, yeah, um, photography, what's well, I'll tell you, let me tell you one thing. Uh, for example, uh, one of the best real estate photographers that I know is an American called Rich Baum, B-A-U-M, Richard Baum. 
he operates out of Sacramento in California. Uh, he's in his 60s, uh, but he's got an excellent YouTube channel and uh, he concentrates on real estate work. And he has taught me a lot, an awful lot, through his YouTube videos. Now, for several years, he was using a very humble Sony A6000 and a 12mm uh, Samyang lens. Uh, total cost, I would say, about €1,000, which is very, very cheap. Uh, and But he was able to use that equipment to produce stunning results. Now, people can go overboard and spend an awful lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, okay, look, they're kind of, you know, it, it, it helps. There's no question about it. But for real estate work, um, you know, uh, you need uh, reliable equipment, which is very important. And you need backup equipment. I would never go out uh, to a shoot with just one camera. I would always have a backup camera in the car. Likewise, uh, I would never go out with just one tripod. I would have another tripod in the car. I've had a tripod fail on me at one stage, and uh, which is highly unusual. Uh, but a camera can malfunction. A memory card uh, can be degraded or whatever. So you need the assurance of, of a backup in the car so that you can retrieve the situation. And that's why it's important to spend that extra few bob making sure you, you have that reliability there. It's important when you go to a shoot to get it done there and then as much as possible. The only exception might be that if it's absolutely pouring rain uh, and you come to a particular house, you're not doing the customer any favours by photographing the outside in pouring rain. What I would always do and what most real estate photographers would do is shoot the interior and then come back another day and do the exterior. Uh, I've had to do that on a number of occasions. It's no big deal. It's straightforward enough. Necessary in this country, isn't it? It's necessary. We mm. don't live on the Costa del Sol. Mm. I mean, it amuses me. I mean, like yourself, I'm sure, and anybody interested in the in the business, we'd be looking at photographs online on Daft or on myhome.e or whatever. And you're looking at all these beautiful, sunny, <laughs> blue skies and so forth. And you might be mistaken uh, for thinking that uh, Ireland's climate was far different no, to what it is in reality. No, no. But of course, I would say maybe 90% of those uh, John, blue skies are, 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 are computer generated. Oh my God, he's giving away <laughs> the secrets. <laughs> he's but, outing all the agents <laughs> in the country. <laughs> but it is, we're in the advertising business mm. and... Uh, Property photography is the first point of contact for a prospective vendor. Mm -hmm. He or she will go onto the website and will scroll through the pictures. Mm -hmm. And if the pictures make a good impression, then hopefully that individual will pick up the phone and say, can I see this in reality? But you want to capture that individual's attention from the get-go. So you need good Photographs. You need properly exposed photographs, attractive photographs. Mm. Um, photographing a house with a dull grey sky behind it, uh, it doesn't, doesn't pop. And by using a Photoshop technique and putting in a blue sky instead of the dull grey one, you are not telling any lies. Uh, you know, you're, you're not altering uh, the, the outline of the house or covering up anything in the house. The house is exactly as it is portrayed. All you're doing is just putting in a blue sky to make the picture more attractive. Yeah. And there is nothing at all unethical or no. wrong with I don't that. think so. And it kind of leads to our next point, which I suppose there are, there's a, there's a wide range here now that we can go to. And what mm. I mean by that is you have the people who do take photographs, agencies who take photographs on their phones. Mm-hmm that, you know, put a minimal effort in, you'll see them in the reflection and, you, yes. you know, all those. I, I feel that that's not giving the customer or the client any value whatsoever. It's not giving them the best um, kickstart to sell their property. No. So I think that that's terrible. 
But then you go to the other side, mm-hmm. which you kind of tipped on a while ago, but to take it even further, because I think you sent me the article of a property up in Dublin that was, mm-hmm. remember that it was an end of terrace kind of house and it expanded it and then they showed a real photograph and it was like Correct. a really small tight house. Yes. So you can have the use of wide lens. And yes. I, I think that where people get frustrated and, and we don't do it, mm-hmm. I know because you and I talked about it before, but using a, a wide lens Mm. in a house I'm mm-hmm. totally against because what you're doing is you're portraying a bigger space than is actually there yes um, definitely uh, I mean as you, as you say some photographers will use an ultra wide angle lens uh, to and it results in a distorted picture mm. and you know they, they will show a, a little box room uh, as being almost the size of the Aviva Stadium or something <laughs> you know and when the prospective purchaser visits that house, he or she is going to be disappointed yeah. and uh, not not well chuffed, shall mm. we say, uh, because expectations uh, have been made which have not been delivered upon. Mm. The house looks a hell of a lot smaller in reality uh, than it does in the pictures. And that is never a good thing. I would, um, But I'd rather have people come to our listings and say, you know, I'm surprised it's a lot bigger than it yes. is in the photographs, then, you know, yeah. this is a lot smaller than yeah. the photographs because yeah. that's a waste of my time, my client's time. Yeah. You know, and time is valuable. So I, I'd rather have a, a yeah. real shot yeah. of what's there. And I, I kind of, you can, you can, I can tell when I look at photographs whether they've been used in wide lens mm. um, or, you know, there's been an awful lot of editing going on. That, even though, like you, and I must explain this to, to folks as well, Anybody going out there taking photographs of a house mm-hmm. to explain the, the, the expertise that John has mm-hmm. and the reason I don't do the photographs because mm-hmm. I like taking photographs is you layer your photographs. Yes. So explain layering. Yes, basically what it's all about is this, that the human eye has a very, very wide dynamic range. We can walk into a house uh, on a very sunny day into a big room uh, and there could be shafts of sunlight and very dark areas. But the human eye has no problem uh, interpreting the whole scene. We can take it all in. No camera has anything like the dynamic range of the human eye. And so therefore, uh, the photographer faced with a situation uh, of a room with uh, markedly different lighting ranges be it a shaft of sunlight on one side of it, a very dark area on the other, has to manage the dynamic range inherent in his or her camera. And one single exposure will not deliver the dynamic range to show that particular room to best effect. So there are a couple of ways of doing it. Uh, One is to take four or five different exposures uh, so that the whole dynamic range is captured and then in an editing suite such as Photoshop afterwards to combine them all. Uh, The other uh, alternative and the one that I use is called the uh, the flambient method. It's a combination of the ambient light and flash. So if I'm photographing a room, what I invariably will do is take one exposure using the ambient light uh, then I will take another exposure, exposure, excuse me, using flash. And in Photoshop later on, what I will do is I will combine the best of both. I will blend both of those exposures together to give a good, pleasing representation of that particular room. Whereas if I just use the ambient light, then you'll see very bright areas, very dark areas not a pleasing photograph. And I've seen lots of photographs on auctioneers' websites where it is quite clear the photographer uh, was using just one exposure, just mm. using the ambient light. And it doesn't result in a pleasing photograph, mm. in my view. Because you can't bring in the outside either with that exposure. You can't. And uh, as well as that, it doesn't lend itself uh, for what we call proper white balance. Uh, essentially what that means is representing the colours of the room as they actually are. Okay. 
uh, if you take a photograph using just ambient light, then the, the artificial lighting from the ceiling or from the lamps or whatever are going to give usually give a very yellow kind of glow. And you see photographs of interiors and they're all a kind of a shade of orange or yellow. And that is clearly, to my mind, uh, the photographer not being able to control the white balance mm. uh, to make sure that the proper colours are represented. So there's a couple of techniques, as I say, involved. Uh, so uh, you simply can't do that just using a, a mobile phone. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's obvious when, when, when just a phone was used, mm. just with one single exposure. Usually uh, you'll get auctioneers uh, tempted to put the mobile phone at the widest possible angle of view and then take a picture seemingly from almost mm. ceiling height to, to show everything there. And it results in a, in a, in a distorted picture. The colours are, are, are all over the place. The room is way bigger in the picture than it is in reality. And to my mind, it is amateurish. Chest and height, John, isn't it? Chest height? About it's chest height. Out. But the thing is... See, I do uh, listen when you're talking. You do, you do. You know, good photography uh, kind of not merely does the house owner a favour. It also kind of enhances the brand of the individual auctioneer. Mm -hmm. Uh, If somebody looking at an auctioneer's website, uh, scanning through a, a sample of photographs, if those photographs are professionally produced, uh, then that represents well on the, the company itself. Agreed. Uh, so it's not just for the house owner or the house prospective house buyer that the photographs are there for. It's also to kind of undermine, or, or not undermine, but to underline the importance of the brand of the individual agent. Mm. And uh, good photography works in that regard. I remember up to about maybe five or six years ago in Ireland, uh, the standard of property photography, or as the Yanks call it, real estate photography, <laughs> uh, was pretty dire by and large. I produced a blog post uh, uh, <laughs> for my own amusement and I got quite a lot of, of coverage. Uh, you know, bad Irish property photography. And it was very easy to do. You simply scroll through daft.ie or myhome.ie and it was easy to pick out, uh, you know, appalling photographs, Mm. uh, some dreadful ones. Since then, the standard has risen significantly. And, uh, you know, there is a very high standard, by and large now, uh, in the Irish property photography scene, much, much better than it was even as recently as five or six years ago. But I think that that's only right. That you know, if you're if you're mm. if you're getting an agent to sell your property, like they say in the health business, you are what you eat. I believe in our business, you are what you see. And like yeah. you said a while ago, if if we're producing professional fo- photographs mm. that portray the property in its best light, yeah, and it looks better, like first impressions last. So when so, people yeah. look at Daft and they see or they look at my home or pro- perfect property or property daddy, whatever they go on or Coburn Co website, yeah. which is a very good one, <laughs> if whatever they look at it on. They have to be drawn in mm. by the first photograph to come across. And if that's not done well, I think that your agent isn't doing you a good job. No, it's not. And I think as well, I mean, if I were selling my house, uh, and I wasn't me. a photographer, <laughs> I would, of course, James, yes. <laughs> but uh, if the agent came in and looked around and said, I'll take the photographs while I'm here and whips out a mobile phone and click, 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 <laughs> I would say... Cheerio I'll and all the best. I'll uh, be in touch. Don't, don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> but no, I mean, again, uh, you know, it's important, mm. to, you know, to, to get somebody who has the professional expertise to do the job properly. Mm. Because selling a house is a major life event for, for practically everybody. Uh, it's a very important step to take. And they want to ensure uh, first of all, of course, that they get the best price for their property. But in order to get that, all the other pieces of the jigsaw have to fall into place mm-hmm. as well. And an important piece of that jigsaw is the photography. Mm-hmm. And of course, then, of course, there's the BER uh, check and all the rest of it, the mm-hmm. engineer's report, blah, blah, blah. 
But the photography is very important. And if the photographs don't do a particular house justice, then it's going to be that much more difficult, difficult to yeah. kind of entice interest Correct. in it. Like, you know. Yeah. Rolls nicely to the next question, which is staging. Do mm. you, obviously, you find it easier to photograph staged properties. Oh, yes. Do you think that it's becoming something that should be mandatory now when it comes to selling your house that you should just look at it and think, it's get your property staged, give it the best shot you can, put it on the market. Yeah. Spend the money, get it done right. I think, I, I wouldn't say that it should be mandatory, but I do think that there are houses that would significantly benefit from proper staging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of in America, as you know, uh, it's it's a big thing. Huge. And uh, people can spend twenty five, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars uh, in high-end properties uh, to bring in a professional stager who will advise on what furniture should be put there and what furniture should be gotten rid of and all the rest of it like that. I've come across several houses, including some of yours, where staging has taken place as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a huge advantage to have because... If you walk into a property uh, which doesn't have any furniture in it, say a new build, mm. and you know you're just looking at uh, bare rooms, I think most people would find it very difficult to envisage what it might look like with uh, couches, 100%. tables, chairs, and whatever involved. So if we can't st- visualize it, we can't. No. I can't certainly. No. And if an auctioneer gets a stager in to put in the furniture, then that makes a huge difference. Mm. Now, the, the person who buys the house isn't going to be buying that self-same furniture, but mm. at least he or she will know what it can look Correct. like. And of course, as well as the actual physical furniture, uh, you can nowadays also get virtual staging done. In other words, you photograph an empty room. Did that. And did you do that for me? Years I did ago? it for you yeah. some years ago, and <laughs> it was uh, great fun. And uh, you know, you can get virtual furniture uh, mm-hmm. to populate the scene. Yep. It's not there in reality; it's just digitization. But again, it shows people what the room could look like mm. if they were to take position of it, and what you know, a, a couch would look like against that particular yes. wall. All that kind of stuff. It's amazing that people will go into a room. And they can't visualise. Even even in a big room, they'd be like, oh, would this take a double bed? Like, Correct. Of course it would take a double bed. Yeah. But certain people just don't have that spatial no, awareness. Don't. No, they don't. And the same in the front room when it comes to a, a, a sofa, as you say, if you're putting down a yeah. couch here or there, where does the table go? Like, speaking to a, a client I had recently who had sold her house in the States, mm. they spent 150000 between fees and staging yes. to sell their house. Yeah. So that's from paying the buyer's agent, the selling agent, and then staging rows, 150,000. Like we can stage a house here for between two and 3,000 euros. Yeah. Like you will make that money back. You will. And but also what has been proven uh, is that when a house is staged, it will sell far quicker mm-hmm. uh, than otherwise. Um, we tend to kind of possibly think of staging uh, being relevant only for brand new bills. That's not the case. I mean, where it would work as well is in very old houses. I'm thinking of houses now and I've photographed quite a few of them where uh, the, you know, the house was occupied by an elderly person who has since died. Yeah. The house is being sold by the sons or the daughters or whatever. And you walk into the house and it's like going back into a time machine back into the 1970s or the 1960s. Very old fashioned kind of stuff, you know, uh, very old fashioned carpets, you know, brown furniture all over the place, etc., etc. Which, of its time, was fine. And obviously, the, the elderly person living there, this was what they yeah, wanted. But, you know, it doesn't really do the house any favours when you're trying to sell it to mm-hmm. a, a young family uh, nowadays. And a, a, a professional stager would come in and advise what to do. You know, get rid of this, uh, put something else over there. You know, good advice. Mm-hmm. And if the person spends two or three grand, maybe more, it could be money very, very well spent. Mm. There's a house near me uh, which is currently for sale. Uh, The man in question passed on there some months ago and 
he lived on his own for the last number of years. And I was talking to one of the sons because the sale had fallen through through a different auctioneer. And uh, I was just kind of asking him was there any movement in the house since? And he said, no, we're finding it difficult enough to get, get viewers. Give me his number. <laughs> and I said to him, you know, one thing I would advise is, for example, uh, paint the inside. Have a smell of fresh paint there and so forth for a start and get rid of any old furniture and so forth that's there. So I was passing by the house a few days ago and there was a painter's van outside. So they're obviously they're taking it on board. Well done to them. But that kind of thing, I mean, getting back to the original point, you need to prepare a house. You do. Uh, you, you know, uh, and especially, I think, with uh, somebody selling um, a deceased parent's house or whatever, uh, it needs a bit of intervention to make it look well. Mm. You need to kind of grasp the straw and maybe get rid of some of the old-fashioned furniture, that mm. kind of thing. Now, that's not my area of expertise, but, um, you know, stagers, uh, definitely, to answer your question, very important in my view. And I did not pay John to say that. And we have our own <laughs> in-house stagers, so if you would like to get your house staged, give us a shout and we shall do it for you. Very good. John, page ones. Yes. Do you know we got to talk about this? Well, you know, <laughs> oh, I, have yes. a, I have a severe You're obsession. about the Irish Examiner property supplement on a Saturday. Front yes. page. Front page, yes. I have an obsession, probably bordering <laughs> unhealthy, with the front pages. Um, well, I kind of got my first one in 2015. It was actually the late Dennis Scanlon did it. Oh, yes, yes. Dennis. And um, since then, we've racked up 11. 11. More. Oh, very good. The latest being one a few weeks ago that you did for Stone in Laura Hedda. Yes. Are you crazy like me and do you keep track of your P1s? I do. I mean... Do you? Uh, I do. I oh, mean, how many have you got? I mean, one of the first things I do every Saturday morning is uh, is look at the examiner supplement online. Mm. Uh, just out of professional interest to see what the standard of photography is like and see who is doing what. Uh, and it's always nice, of course, to see one's own work on the mm. front page. And it, I, I have been lucky enough to have been featured that there are several occasions. But, um, you know, I, I, I always look, it's the first thing I would tend to look at on a Saturday morning is this property supplement. Uh, see what other photographers are doing. You kind of uh, have to, don't you, to kind of keep up with, yeah, I wouldn't say much yeah. trends, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, and this is no disrespect to anybody else or any other yeah. photographer out there but I think I think the, the P1s looking at like I have them yeah. in my office and when people sit down and look at our P1s they're quite unique and different and we, we yeah. do different stuff and I think it kind of comes across that it's a little bit different Well maybe so but there are some excellent photographers out there and uh, thinking off the top of my head now there's a uh, Jakob Vodatek, I hope that's, that's, I'm not mispronouncing his oh, name. Jacob, yeah. He operates out of Kinsale and he's a superb photographer. There's Neve Whitty, who operates out of Bananine and Manway side. And she's more west, she does the... She tends to be more west, but yeah. she has some beautiful work there as well, Neve has. And uh, there are others. Didn't she do that beautiful one of the chair in the... Yes, windows looking over the water. There. Yes, absolutely. Yes, gorgeous. absolutely. She's she's excellent, and there are several others. And uh, it's great to see that kind of level of professionalism mm. at play out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the days of you know the the local auctioneer, come funeral parlour manager, and whatever, and publican uh, doing his own thing. Well, hang on now before you go any <laughs> further. Before you go any further, right? I have, we have, I have. A confession to make, right? Uh-huh. So I remember speaking to Tommy Barker and he was saying like that rarely would an agent ever get the front page. It's yeah. always, you know, photographers because you have the right equipment and it yes. looks the part. And, yes. you know, a majority of agents wouldn't have the right equipment. You shot a property for me out in Carrick Tool. Yes. Going back a number of years. Uh-huh. And afterwards, I went in because the person told me they'd done a bit of work to the Yes. Back, and I went in and I took a photograph. Yes. And I sent it to Tommy in with yours. Yes. And I got the front page. Oh, <laughs> and I never told Tommy and I never told you. So I'll be showing to you later on. It's oh, in my office. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Outstanding. So uh, that's my claim to fame on my P1s. Do you know how many you have? I don't, know. no. Don't you? I, I, I'm not that obsessive. Uh, I, you should I, be. I suppose so, but you know. I'll yeah. find out. I'll let you know. <laughs> I can go. I was going to actually trawl through them, but I yeah. actually ran out of time because I, believe it or not, I have another job. 
Oh, very I sell good. houses for a living. Very good. You wouldn't think about all the the this kind of content stuff I'd be coming up with. Um, you you probably won't tell us what is. We're kind of getting to the best and worst. Like, what is the best house you've ever photographed? I can't say. I mean, I've photographed some outstanding properties. You liked that one recently down in Passage West. I did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he was my pal of yours think, from a photography I think, club. I think what it was, yes. Uh, um, down in in uh, in Carrigaline, that was. Oh, was yeah. it Carrigaline? Sorry. Carrigaline, yeah. And uh, a fine house. But I think the most memorable house I photographed in recent years uh, was a house down in Muckross in Killarney which had belonged to Bill Cullen and his partner, Jackie Lavin. Mm -hmm. And this particular house, well, it was two houses. It was a magnificent structure. Big, big mansion of a thing overlooking the lakes of Killarney, way off the beaten track uh, beyond Muckross Hotel. Uh, A long, long roadway going into it. Private, of course. Had its own helicopter pad, etc. This was for the days when Bill and Jackie were flying high mm. in more senses than one. Uh, but, as we know, Bill's property and business empire collapsed. This particular house uh, became the subject of a long legal wrangle, which went on for years. And the house was vacant in the meantime, while the lawyers were haggling over it. Mm. Eventually, the bank won its case and took possession of the house uh, and were therefore in a position to sell it. And I was asked to photograph it. And I went down and uh, it was shown in by the guy who had the job of looking after the place. And Mother Nature had taken over and, uh, you know, the beautiful patios and all the rest of it outside, there were weeds and shrubs growing in them. The house was in good enough nick inside, but walking through it in the darkness and in the gloom, even though there was some electricity there, you know, there was, I remember a big, magnificent ballroom. And uh, I was just thinking as I was walking through it on my own, you know, if these walls could only talk, <laughs> uh, think of the celebrities and the film stars and, the, you know, the, uh, the creme de la creme who kind of gathered here for the Shite lavish office. parties that Bill and Jackie yeah. had. And now look at it like, you know, and it was fallen into disrepair. And <clears throat> that was memorable because of that the yeah. human factor, mm. you know, the kind of the uh, the almost Shakespearean story of, uh, you know, fall, fall from grace, mm. you know, as the Frank Sinatra song has it like, you know, uh, flying high in April, shot down in May. And that's what happened to poor old Bill. Mm. Uh, but uh, it went on the market for, I think, just shy of a million. And it fetched that price and a little bit further. But whoever bought it, I think it was a, a businessman in the Killarney area, actually, I, in my view, would have had to spend another million, if not more, to bring it back up to par. But that was memorable because, as I say, because of the magnificent house that it was, mm. and still is, it it will be restored to its 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 former glory. I've no doubt if it hasn't been done so already. But the human story behind it, mm. you know, Bill Cullen, you know, a major uh, personality on the Irish television scene. He was the uh, Mister Apprentice on that show for several years, etc. And now he's um, an ill man, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's all the glory has faded away. Sick transit, Gloria Monday. <laughs> That's a lovely story, John. But I suppose it kind of does take in a lot of it is not just about, you know, glamour and beautiful houses. It's nice that, you know, you take in those aspects of it as well, mm. which you say is the human side of it. Worst house. Could we put that in there as well? <laughs> No. I don't think I can't think of a worst house I mean sometimes you go into houses You and I had a good experience going back <laughs> a good few years ago Yeah I hear you when we go to some listings I hear you tell the story about that and you forget that it was you and me together and you tell the story <laughs> You remember the lady that would just it was it was it was tough going now yeah, there's a, we, did do, we did do a lot of moving You do I mean 
Okay, I mean, I've been to a few houses. I mean, first of all, I, I have to say that the vast majority of houses that I go to, the people have taken great care mm-hmm. to present it well. Mm-hmm. And the house is nice and tidy and all the rest of it. Some houses, a very small minority, uh, you'd walk in and you'd wonder, you know, am I here on the right day at yeah. all? Like, you know, <laughs> they know they're coming. not expecting me, like, you see. <laughs> now, I remember photographing a house in Middleton and there was an elderly lady but she wasn't particularly old, but she was infirm. Mm. Uh, she had health issues. And the house wasn't a bit of a mess. And, you know, you have to cut the lady some slack in that mm. regard. She obviously didn't have, you know, people around her to help her out. So I would never photograph a house as is, mm. you know, uh, if, if if it's being sold. Uh, you know, I, I would always... Uh, pull up my sleeve, so to speak, and tidy the place, yeah. which is what I did in that instance. The one house I remember photographing in East Cork some years back, it wasn't that the house was untidy particularly, but there were two adults, no, a, a mother and a father and two adult children in the house. And they all smoked nonstop. Uh. And when I walked in, there was a, a fog of smoke oh. there, a fog of smoke or whatever. And it was appalling. And uh, I almost felt the need to have um, an oxygen tank uh, and a breathing apparatus as I went through the house because they smoked non-stop. And it never comes out of the house. It never co- It's no. very difficult to get mm. rid of it. The pet hates when shooting a property. I know my one, obviously not my pet hates, but the one we used to years ago, mm. which we now don't do, is the toilet seats. Ah, yes, there are basic kind of things that... You uh, have to have the toilet seats. You have to have the toilet seats down. That's kind of property photography 101. Mm. You know, you make sure that the toilet seat is down. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, when I go into the house, I said, I want the kitchen, uh, stroke dining area, and the bathrooms to look unlike any kitchen, dining room areas and bathrooms in the real world. <laughs> In other words, yeah, we're doing you, a good you job take, that happens. take something basic as, <laughs> as a bathroom stroke toilet or whatever. Uh, I would always go in and get rid of excess toilet rolls. Mm. Not a lot of people would have rolls and rolls of toilet paper. Get rid of them. Get rid yeah. of the toilet brush. Put the toilet seat down. Get rid of shampoos, uh, toothpaste, all those kind of branded items and make it look kind of squeaky clean. Yeah. In other words, unlike any like bathroom in the real world, yeah. but... From an aesthetic, from a photographic aesthetic point of view, it mm. looks a hell of a lot better. Mm-hmm. And uh, likewise, in a dining room, kitchen, uh, it's always better to have worktops clear of clutter. Get rid of toasters, kettles, coffee making machines, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that we all have in our houses in the real world, so yeah. to speak. But the minimalist look looks better. But it just gives an idea of more space. It does, People can yeah. see what's... And likewise, I mean, certainly in my house, on fridges and so forth, you'd have all these little stickers and... Magnets. Uh, magnets, exactly. Yeah. Get rid of all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look the best. You don't have to move photographs and things like that because, John, in fairness, you're very oh, good. Yeah. We blur them out. We blur them out. Yeah. I, would, I would always say to people, look, if there are any photographs that will be recognisable in my photographs, I'll blur them out. Yeah. And some people say, you know, don't bother, it doesn't matter, hang, we don't mind, mm. you know, and that's fine. Um, but uh, so people don't have to go off removing photographs mm. from the walls. I mean, again, there's a kind of um, a happy medium. You don't want uh, kind of walls cluttered with family photographs. But likewise, you don't want a house with no photographs in it. Mm. Uh, because to my mind, it looks kind of soulless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you you don't want to kind of I mean if it's a family house you know it's not a, a show house No, I mean you know who was it that said a, a house is a machine for living in mm. you know it, it's a lived place you know and, and you, might, you need you that, that kind of because atmosphere there. I had a property going back a few years ago and it was like they, they went above and beyond it. they painted it they put in new bathrooms mm. they did everything but they were living in a property and it was their home mm. but when we would come to the property it was sterile as yes. in like there was nothing in there. There was yes. fresh flowers. Yeah. There was no, there was no cutlery. There was no, no like there was, no, the beds were kind of perfectly made. Yeah. There were no toys inside in the bedrooms. It was just as if, you know, as you say, a show house. Yeah. And people actually, it went against it. Yes. 
they, yes. they found the cold. Cold, exactly. Yeah, the kind I, of that. I think the word they used there was the the apt one, sterile. Yeah, uh, you don't want it. You don't want that kind of atmosphere no. to come across. Families usually say to me when I go into the, the kids' bedrooms, they say, "Look, yeah. would you want us to move these bits?" And I say, "Look, just leave." Yeah. the dollhouse and leave this because yeah, you yeah, want yeah. that bit of colour and you want that small do, bit yeah. of life inside yeah. in each room just you to do, show yeah. that it's lived yeah. in because ultimately it's going to be a family yeah. going yeah. to live there. And again, I mean, when I go into a house, I mean, I don't expect it to be absolutely 100% photo ready. Mm. I will all, usually there are things I will move around and I will move them myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the American photographers will say, you know, say that when I go into a house, I will just photograph it as is. It's not my job to move anything which I think is a crazy kind of approach to have. Mm. Uh, of course, you have to make an intervention. Uh, if there's, um, you know, a, for example, a, a dirty towel on a floor or something like that in the bathroom, you go over and pick it up and get it out of the way. Mm. My job is to, as I say, to represent the house to best effect, to make sure that each photograph uh, is a good photograph. And if there's anything impeding that, such as um, a misplaced item or whatever in the picture, you simply go in and remove it. It's only a minute or two of an intervention and it makes all the difference. Do you think videos and drone um, add value? Well, they do. I mean, certainly drones, especially for standalone houses in the countryside, are practically a necessity now Mm -hmm. uh, because you want to show the house in its geographical context. You know, um, you might be photographing a house (coughs) uh, near Castle Marta, for example, you want to give the viewer an idea where exactly it is mm. and how far is it from the local village or from Ladies Bridge or from Castle Martyr or wherever. Mm. You know, uh, does it have a view of the, the island and all this kind of stuff. So drones uh, have become part and parcel of property photography. Not so much in a kind of an urban no. uh, context where you're talking of, you know, semi-detached houses and estates. Uh, it doesn't matter as much but certainly, yes, uh, video has come into its own in recent years. In my view, video helps to complement the still photographs. But you can't have one in isolation. Uh, the You need, you certainly need the still photographs. They are the, 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 the one, the important ones. Uh, videos can help depending on the type of house as well. Yeah. Uh, you don't need it for every house. No, uh, the kind of the typical three-bedroom semi kind of overkill, in right. my view, to have yeah. a video in it. Well, we, look, it's not a little plug for us. We add, we have all these as our services. They're all part of our services. Are, our yeah. fees, anyway. But, you know, we do virtual tours now. We do floor plans. Yes. And as you say, it can be a little bit overkill at times. People don't want that much. You, you have to leave a small bit to the imagination and a small bit of a surprise when people come to a property. Correct. If you've got videos photographs, virtual tours, floor plans, drone shots, yeah, you know, and then you're doing a video when you're doing a viewing. It's just, leave a small bit of the imagination. You do. You have to do that. I mean, again, it's not necessary to show every nook and cranny no. uh, in the photographs. Every house has a, a small utility room or something like that or something under the stairs or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the, again, you have to remember that the property photographer's job is to create a series of attractive images to draw mm-hmm. people in. Yeah. So you don't necessarily show some kind of small pokey little room uh, where the, 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 the brush and the, 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 the cleaning up stuff is stored. That's not necessary at That'll all. That'll right up in yeah. the description. It does in the description. And when people come to view the house they will look at all those kind of things anyhow. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, you show the house to best effect. We have a game whenever we meet at properties mm-hmm. where we guess the value. Yes. You've become really good at it. Which yes. leads me to believe that you're doing a lot more kind of research on properties outside of just taking photographs. Like, do you have an interest in properties outside? I don't, no. But I think... Very good. I, I, you know, I think, again, I mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the process of osmosis. I mean, I look at the property websites as indeed does every property photographer. And uh, you get a feel for it. You get a feel for it. You get a feel for it. You were spot on the last day. (laughs) Like, I mean, down to the the last euro, you got a nail in it. Yeah, but maybe so. But again, of course, uh, you can pick a number out of the air and say, well, I think this house is worth, we'll say, 500 grand or whatever. But as you know better than me, a house is worth what somebody is prepared to pay for it. And um, 
I've seen houses go on the market here in Cork City that I photographed. One particular house down in Black Rock some years ago uh, went on the market for three forty, and the auctioneer concerned thought that they were pushing the envelope uh, uh, on, uh, with that price because it wasn't a great house. It fetched something like four fifty, like mm. you know, to their amazement, <laughs> you know. So these things happen, as you know, mm. uh, that occasionally uh, properties will sell for far higher uh, than one would have expected them to do. Yeah. A lot more about a year and a half ago. It's kind of in isolation now yeah. a little bit these days because the market has kind of changed slightly in relation to kind of, you know, inflation, mortgage rates and that money from COVID is gone. Yes. So that, that kind of, that little bubble we had a year and a half ago is gone. But that's that's a podcast for another day. We'll get yeah. into that another day. Yeah. Now, John, as an avid walker, you photograph some wonderful spots in the country. Where's the nicest spot? Firstly in Ireland and secondly in Cork. I think, yeah, I do a lot of hill walking. I go out with a group of people most weekends. We call ourselves the walkie-talkies and we head into the hills and the mountains. It's only a small group of about, on average, about seven or eight people, sometimes a lot less. Uh, We're all experienced hikers. We're not a club. Um, (laughs) I say to people, we're the kind of people who wouldn't, belong to any club that would have us as members <laughs> to quote Groucho Marx but um, we know what we're about we don't have any rules or regulations or anything like that but we head into the hills and uh, it's a tremendous uh, way of exploring the countryside I think probably my favourite mountains would have to be the McGillicuddy Reeks mm. Some weeks ago, I went down there <coughs> and I climbed Carantool for the umpteen time at night. And I was at the summit of Carantool at half past 12 in the morning. And it was a beautiful moonlit night. I remember when I was heading up onto the ridge of the Reeks from the Hags Glen, which is the route I took up. And I went up the zigzag path. And when I got onto the ridge... There in front of me was a big full moon uh, just rising. And, I just thought you want to say a bear. And it was, it was a wonderful, magical, numinous experience. And then I made my way across to Carantool. I stayed there for about an hour and a half or so on the summit and made my way back down. And I got back to Cronin's Yard where I had parked at about half past four in the morning. Oh, and it was a tremendous experience. It was the second time I had done Carantool at night. I've climbed Galtimore and Knockmill Down at night as well. Solo jobs, because these are climbs that you really can't organise. You have to make a decision at the last minute, depending on the weather factors and all the rest of it like that, mm. and you go. But mostly, <laughs> thankfully, most of my hill walking is done during daylight hours with, with my group of friends. But yes, I would think... Of all the mountains, the the, the 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 ridge of the Eastern Reeks would probably be my favourite mountain walk in Ireland. And in County Cork, we don't have a huge range of mountains in County Cork, unfortunately. Usually it's, uh, you're talking of County Waterford with the Comoros, the Knockmeal Downs, Limerick with the Ballyhoras, and uh, but there are mountains to the west of, of of the county, and there are some very nice walking down there as well, especially around you know Glengariff, mm. uh, can you know that whole area there, wonderful places. Yeah, so it is a great way to unwind and to keep fit, and uh, enjoy doing it. I'll take yeah. your word for it. I might come out and join the walkie talkie. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, we'll we, we, we'll consider having you as a member. <laughs> you could be blackballed. You'd never know. <laughs> well, my my final question is AI. Yes, because this is yes. a big one for us. I suppose yes. where we're going, and, and before I get into it, I suppose we we do we like to do things like I mean that house in Killer we shot in mm. the evening, and you know there was yeah. a kind of lovely sunset on it. Yeah, um, we do kind of like to do things differently. How differently? Because I know you dabble in it. Mm. How differently is the landscape going to change now that AI is going to come into the industry? Uh, The artificial intelligence has been in the editing side of the business for quite some time. I mean, 
the most commonly used editing suite is Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop. There are others, but the Photoshop is the one that's most commonly used and it's the industry standard. And with every iteration of Photoshop, usually once a year, uh, there are additional functionalities and a lot of this is driven by artificial intelligence. I made mention there earlier, for example, about putting in blue skies mm. on an otherwise dull day. And up to about two or three years ago, that process was fairly involved. It wasn't straightforward at all. Nowadays, you can do it with a couple of mouse clicks. It's that simple. And that's all AI-driven. Most recently, there is now a remove tool, as it is called, on, on, on Photoshop, which is the nearest thing I can see to magic. So, for instance, uh, you can see some object in a photograph be it a landscape photograph, a portrait or whatever it might be and you simply mouse over it uh, and press click and bang, it's gone, just like that. And it has enough intelligence to recognise what the background is like and it knits in the background seamlessly. It is extraordinary. It is astonishing. Mm. What will the future hold? Um, I would guess that it would be technically possible at the moment even, but it will probably be a few years, if ever, before it happens that property photographers like myself might be phased out completely so that somebody like yourself, the agent, comes along to a house and you take out a drone the same size practically as your mobile phone and the drone will go through the house, take individual still pictures, take a video, uh, do it the same thing outside. It'll do a floor plan and with chat GBT built into it, it will even produce the brochure, the, brochure, the blurb, <laughs> you know, you know the, the wonderful deathless prose that auctioneers use. Yeah. We are delighted to bring to the market this superb outstanding... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, I try it's, and get away from it, John, but you can't. You, you just can't. have to keep on using the same stuff. Right? But there was a guy. I think it was in England some years back, and uh, he, he he got got great coverage because he decided to tell the truth. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to do that sometimes. <laughs> but but no, but seriously, I mean, it's impossible to predict what it's likely to be in a few years' time. Because well, by the sounds of it, I'm out of a job as because well. Who would have predicted up until about maybe a year or so ago that we'd have ChatGBT uh, for, for searching and mm. for producing text? And, you know, there's MidJourney, which is the, uh, the industry leader in imagery. Mm. I have produced, I, I subscribe to MidJourney I have produced images. Is this you when you got Trump arrested? <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> but was something, you. No, it wasn't me. Was it? But it was something similar. I produced, I asked MidJourney, which is an artificial intelligence image generator. And essentially what you do, you kind of tell the, the app what you want. So I said I wanted a picture, a photorealistic picture of a West of Ireland landscape taken at sunset with, with a beautiful beach, rocks, mountains, blah blah and all the rest of it. And I was astonished at how photorealistic it was. I posted it to Facebook without saying that it was AI-generated. And I posted to one of the Irish photography groups and I got several comments. Where exactly is this place? And so forth. People were fooled. Mm. Uh, there was a big photographic competition in Europe um, earlier this year. And a German photographer won it. It was a Sony photographic competition. And he produced uh, a portrait uh, uh, of two women and it won top prize. This now was judged by very experienced photographic judges. They did not spot that it was AI. And of course, once he had won it, he came out and he said, this was AI. Mm. And he entered the competition simply to make the point that it is almost impossible now to judge 
what is a photograph and what is an artificially mm. intelligence-produced uh, image. And this is at the relatively early stages yeah. of AI so imagery. Years. What is going to be like in another couple of years, mm. uh, the mind boggles. It will become impossible to determine uh, what is a photograph and what is not. I was fooled. I mean, you, you mentioned about the photographs, the AI images of Trump being arrested in New York City. Mm. Um, but there was a photograph of the Pope. <laughs> that was where, it. You were telling me about the Pope. And it Sorry. was wearing this big uh, white jacket, big That's coat. Right. And I was saying to myself, wow, where did he get that coat? I was fooled by that, like, you know, and a whole pile of people were. It was the, it was the Pope in like a big massive puffer jacket. A big puffer jacket, exactly so. But it, it had fooled people. So Why now, would the Pope be wearing a puffer jacket, Chad? You never know. I bet Rome can get quite cold in, in, in January or February if we know they came out. But, <laughs> but bringing it back into the ordinary, everyday reality of property photography, Yes, artificial intelligence has a role to play in helping the photographer edit the work mm. to remove little pieces that shouldn't be there. That blemishes on the wall. Blemishes on the wall and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no problem hiding those. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a different matter if there was a big crack down the side of the house. <laughs> then obviously you don't remove that yeah. uh, because that's a structural damage. And you, it's misleading. It's misleading. But a, a crayon mark on the wall left by some kid in the house, you get rid of that. You know, that, that's no big deal because it can be painted over anyhow. Like, you know, so you're not being misleading in doing something minor like that. But AI, I think that is the extent really uh, of AI's uh, kind of... Um, role in the whole property photography scene. Well, that's good to know. Hopefully, uh, because you can't really say, it's you know, to, the, the number 10 High Street will be for sale. AI produce images for 10 High Street. You yeah. can't do it remotely. No. Somebody has to physically walk in and photograph the house. Mm. And that's where, you know, a human being still has a role to play. Or maybe a robot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. And another podcast. Another podcast. <laughs> um, well, that's it. We got some questions. Now, what I've noticed about the questions, which is brilliant, you've answered every single one of the oh, questions good. from our uh, followers, except, well, it's not, look, you, the last one from Maria, with questions from Barry, Claire, Mike, Bill, and Maria. And Maria says, John photographed our house a few years back through yourselves, and he was such a lovely man. He helped <laughs> moved items and gave great advice, but on top of everything else, he was just very pleasant. Sorry, no question. Just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you very much. Isn't that a lovely way that's to That's very nice. Time? Thank you. John, you are... One of the most intelligent, most elegantly spoken gentlemen I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And thank you so much for coming on as a guest today. And thank you for having me, as they say, James. That thank was you a very pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Cheers. Cheers.